0: This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I am so excited for you guys to meet my new friend, Jennifer Luddington. She's out in Idaho. I was introduced to her by my friend, And soul sister Megan McCann um, and me and Jennifer actually spoke at Megan's Women's Summit. So we were introduced and started talking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this girl's story is absolutely incredible. She totally gets to be on this show and you guys get to hear from her. And all she's done, all she's created, all she's become and all she's paid forward to so many women. So she has helped over 1,000 women, you guys. She's mentored them personally. She's owned multiple brick and mortar fitness, wellness, yoga studios. Uh, she has created and sold a protein bar company. Uh, she is a wife. She is a mother. She is an entrepreneur. She is a coach and a leader. So meet Jennifer. She has so much to share with us today. How are you, my friend?
1: Well, thank you for that warm and beautiful welcome. I am doing great and I'm even better now that we get to share and connect today. So thanks.
0: Yes. I, um, I'm assuming Idaho is a beautiful place to be during COVID (laughs) out in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) I love love it. I need to come visit. Megan keeps telling me I have to come out there and do a retreat. So we may have to plan that together. Yes. So tell us, let's just go right in. I want to hear all about, I want them to hear all about your story and really what led to your awakening, um, (laughs) as we were chatting about earlier. (laughs) Yeah, it's still a work in progress,
1: right? We all get to live into that. But um, yeah, thanks for asking, Laura. You know, my story is interesting. I think that a lot of women can relate because, you know, um, I've been doing this for almost 15 years now. And I started in my career, you know, in the fitness industry. And I started my career in the fitness industry as a lot of, you know, high performance coaches and mindset coaches do, because I think it's just this wonderful way to, that we can connect with women on a visceral level. Right where we can empower people to really, you know, stand up for themselves, gain that strength, um, and, and and really start to grow confidence. So my journey began there, but it's really interesting because it was never something I thought I would do. I landed there out of happenstance. It was like a total accident, and um, I landed there and was forced into either being an entrepreneur or really not knowing what to do. Right, and and the way I say that is, you know. Fitness found me and go looking for it. And I was in this really suffocating marriage um, with my ex-husband. He was an addict, and I was allowing myself to be continually abused in this marriage. And I just felt like I know women can feel like this. I felt like I didn't have a voice. Like I felt like I was suffocated and I was dulled down and numb. And I didn't know who I was. And I was so young. And fitness allowed me to empower myself in a way that I'd never experienced. And the stronger I got, the stronger emotionally I got, the stronger like spiritually I got, Like everything started to come together for me. And with a baby on my hip, I decided to leave my ex-husband. And I was thrown into a situation where I could sink or swim. And this gym was, was, was looking at me like, do you want to take this gym on? Literally, there was a gym that I was working at, at the time. And they asked me to take it on and to own it and to buy it. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have a place to live. I was living in my friend's basement, literally with my daughter. Um, And, you know, I decided to do it. And I did it with a lot of sweat equity. And I created something that really empowered women, right? And and empowered me and and helped me gain momentum in my life. And it was really successful from the outside. Um, I did a really good job of being a, putting on a facade, but the whole time I was really scared because I had no idea what I was doing. Like I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, pretend, I felt like I was pretending like to be this business owner, pretending to be successful, pretending. Like I always felt as if it was just the, the rug was about to be pulled out from underneath me. So my safety and security was always super shaky, you know? And. So so somewhere along the line where what happened was, it got dark. And because my security and safety was so attached to like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I've got to hold so tight someone's going to find out that I'm a liar and a facade and an imposter, that I started to attach my physicalness and my body to my worth. Mm. And so I started competing really heavily. And I started to connect my ability to make money and my worth with how fit I was. And I remember there was a moment where that shifted. And I'm gonna, I am want to share it because I think there's a lot of women right now listening because I was in such agony. I was striving. I had everything looked so good on the outside. But I remember I, there was this one morning where I was driving to my studio. It was like 4.30 or 5 a.m. And there's this 24-hour like discount food mart in Boise. It's called Winco. And my daughter was hungry. And I was broke, like so broke. I was so in debt. I had maxed out every credit card. I was in the middle of bankruptcy. Like it was bad. But on the surface, I was holding it together. Not very well, but I was. I remember one morning, this was my breaking point. I was literally in the dark and the cold trying to find change in the bottom of my car for milk. And I took my daughter into the store and I thought I had like a $1.29 in my pocket of like change. And I stood in front of this milk, the milk case at Winco it still chokes me up. And the milk was $1.49. And I literally collapsed on the floor in the morning on this dark winter morning with my daughter who was barely two years old and I didn't have enough money for milk Mm. and I thought okay what am I doing and in that moment it got really dark for me because I went I went to this place where okay if I'm fit enough if I look better than anybody else if I'm the fittest fitness professional on the planet this will never happen to me again Mm. this will never happen to me again and That's when um, all of my massive eating disorders began and my striving to live into this external vision of what I thought I needed to be, to be worthy of my title and my job and my, you know, businesses. And so that started to rule my life, right? I, I was exercising for four to five hours a day. I was competing nonstop. I was starving myself literally for days and then binging and purging at night because I was so hungry. And I I lived in this vicious shame cycle because here I was, this pinnacle of what we think fitness looks like. But on the other side, I was living in anxiety and depression and shame Hmm. because I was part of the problem, right? I was putting out there that this is health when in reality, I was in the worst health of my life. And I used that shield to protect myself from being found out or discovered of being an imposter or being not smart enough. And that shield broke, finally broke down years later um, when I was finally free of it. And uh, it broke down again from my daughter. Like I finally decided, okay, this is where I need to change and shift to get honest and get real. And again, it was her who pulled me out of that. And it was this moment again. um, I remember she's probably seven or so, seven or eight maybe. And she was sitting at the table with me. And I was a single mom, right? So she was sitting at the table with me. And she looked at me at dinner and she said, mommy, have you ever eaten anything other than lettuce? Wow. And my heart broke and I realized I was perpetuating this shameful, vicious cycle in my child. And that's when everything changed for me. And I went on my journey to heal and to finally have self-acceptance and self-love and worthiness beyond my abs. And that's kind of how it started and how it started to shift for us. So that was, that was my story. And so now I've shifted into really coaching women through that. um, Coaching them into living their authentic life and and into their intrinsic values versus the external pressure. um, And finding out who they really are. Remembering who they forgot to be. Remembering who we forgot to be is something that I say a lot. And it's something that's really Shifted inside of me, and so that's what I do now. And fitness is kind of something I, you know, it's part of my life, but it's not who I get to be and I identify with anymore.
0: Yeah, what a beautiful story, and thank you so much for sharing that. I know that that's not easy. Um, I'm sure it's gotten easier, but that was really, really moving. And I know so many people on the line are drivers and achievers, and for many, it comes from an authentic place. And for others, maybe they're feeling that like empty hole of like, is this really true for me? Um, yeah. so I love that you said intrinsic value working from that place versus that external pressure. How did you unwind that inside of yourself?
1: Yeah, well, it took a lot, you know, it's not, you know, I think there's no magic pill and there, there's nothing, there's not a right or wrong way for anyone. I think that for me, I, I, I'll go back to this. I, I felt like something was wrong with me because I tried everything, like literally I was like doing all these like challenges and mindset work and meditation and retreats and all energy where I was doing all these things, right. For, for a couple years. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Mm. Like, what I, I felt like I was hopeless. Like nothing worked, nothing stuck. I couldn't relate to the esoteric side of it for some reason. It didn't land with me in my soul. Like it was just not working. And so, I realized that after going through literally years of transformational training, leadership training, I needed to logic it first. Like I needed, for me, I needed a tangible tool that I could use every day, that I could anchor to that wasn't like a meditation. I, I just couldn't do that at first. I had a block there. I was so disconnected from myself because I was just going and going and, and enduring to endure. Right. And I was so checked out of life that I couldn't like get that part at first. So I had to have tangible tools and things to be as like to to create interrupters in my habits. And I, of course, had a lot of therapy. Right. Even just traditional talk therapy. um, That was really helpful for me. But I created some interrupters in my behaviors. And that was kind of my first way to stop the actual behavior of it. So I actually had to go through this backwards than some people do. I had to to break the the physicalness of it before I could find that like soulful connected space. Yeah. And for me, like that worked for me. Mm-hmm. So my whole system is very different than what other coaches teach because I do it backwards a little bit Hmm. with people. Okay. And, and I try to break and give people tangible tools to break the cycle of that stress and pressure. Like, I feel like we're all, a lot of us women that are driven, that are super driven and like really want to go, go, go. We disconnect from like the femininity, that energy we disconnect from, you know, being softening into that part of us and we get really stuck and we can't live like in the duality of it. We can't live in the middle. We seem to like live on one side or the other. So I try to help women break that really driven side that's just, you know, focused and can't get out of that rat race with physical interrupters so that they can come to this beautiful middle ground and honor the duality
0: of who we are as women. Can you give me some examples of some habit disruptors? I love that. So for me, I don't even,
1: I can't believe I don't have my bracelets on. So usually I have my malas on. Okay. Um, and I would wear two big malas on each of my wrists. It's, it's weird that I don't have them on, but I have, I have two beautiful malas and that was a physical interrupter for me. So when I was feeling overwhelmed, stress, anxiety, or feeling the need to actually engage in the behavior of overexercise, binge eating. All of those things, my interrupter was my beads. And so, my rule with myself, and I teach this in my course actually, but my rule with myself was I had to breathe one wrist
0: of beads. Mm.
1: And at the end of the bead, and you know, malas have 108, so that's a lot of breath. Inhale one, exhale the other. For
0: one bead, it was an inhale and an exhale. Wow. Okay. No, one bead was inhale, one bead was exhale. And all nose. So, you really. breathing 54 times. Yeah. Okay. Every time you were experiencing an over moment
1: in in any of those moments. Yeah. And that was my rule. Then this is the thing that I, that I share that's different the most. My rule with us is I gave myself permission and grace that at the end of that interrupter, at the end of that physical connection, the sensory experience of touching, breathing, Experiencing what I was experiencing, if I still felt like doing the behavior and I still asked myself, is this in alignment with my values? And I still felt like doing the behavior, I gave myself permission to do it. I love it. The reason why is because every time I went through the exercise, I was like, I'm not judging myself here. This isn't an exercise in judgment, which as women, we tend to do a lot. I was giving myself grace to heal. And, I, and, and when you're giving yourself grace to heal, there's no pressure on it. And when you put the pressure on the healing, it, it becomes another stressor. <laughs> it's like, right. another, and then it's another shameful cycle. So in order for me to get out of it, I had to say, okay, this is all right. If, if I do decide to go binge eat again and purge, I'm going to give myself grace to heal. It's going to take time. But slowly but surely, slowly but surely, every time I'd be completed with my beads, it would slowly lessen the charge on the need to step into that, right? It would lessen the rub of of doing the behavior. And it took me some time, right? It took me, you know, maybe three or four months to go through that. Mm-hmm. And there's not a magic pill, but at the same time, if you give yourself grace through it, every time you go to do the behavior, it becomes less and less heavy on your soul. I love that. and resolution doesn't have to be immediate. What I mean by that is it goes back to what we talked about with grace. So for for literally for about three years, I couldn't pinpoint my trauma. I couldn't pinpoint, pinpoint my trauma, but just because I couldn't pinpoint my trauma, I realized that it was, it was there when I was supposed to have it. And instead of forcing it, I gave myself grace to understand that the feeling is true for me. The feeling is true for me. So as long as I can shift how the feeling comes into my body, how I respond to it, shift the behavior, that's all I need. Cause I'm staying in the
0: step that I'm in. Mm. Can you say that again? The one, two, three.
1: Yeah. I recognize that the feeling is true for me. I recognize the feeling is true for me. And even though I want to heal the trauma immediately, I give myself grace to feel it, to transform it, to let it go and stay in the step that I'm in. Because what will happen is that slowly and surely you will uncover it in the divine timing that you're meant to see it because our mind and our subconscious can't always handle it right away. It's too traumatic. So we have to build confidence on how to shift the emotion before we actually might see the actual trauma or experience that it came from. And we don't always have to, in my experience. No, we don't always have to. I did, but you don't always have to, but I was ready for it. Totally. I was ready for it. And that's how I started the process with that. And the awareness that that brought took me to different places, to different things that were working. And I was able to open up that left side, like that feminine energy and unlocking that connection to my breath and myself and what I needed to soothe wasn't the food. It wasn't the need to control. It wasn't the need to perform, right? It was the need to accept myself and to give myself grace and to just nurture that inner child who is seeking that love and acceptance. Mm. And through that process, I, I did learn to do that. And that, that's kind of the first step I use, Laura. And then of course, there's, there's lots more, right? That I still use, <laughs> but I took all the things that
0: worked for me and that's how I coach now. I love it. That's, that's super, super, super beautiful. I think so many people on the line can relate to how we soothe in different ways. And what we're really looking for is acceptance and giving ourselves grace. Do you have examples of how you do that now? I know it's a daily practice.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I. I believe in, here's one thing. This is the thing I also differ on. I don't believe in affirmations. I think that random generic affirmations that come from external sources can't, can't pull anyone forward or anchor them to truth. And so I have a system I put people through that helps them identify their intrinsic values and uncover, I'm not gonna say subconscious, I'm gonna say unconscious here, um cuz sub makes it feel like it's less than and it's not it's powerful and if we can dive into the unconscious behaviors and things that we need to soothe and then create an affirmation that's true to you for that particular thing that's the power and i call that it's i have a weird name for it but i'll just say it i have it's called an ura cry <laughs> 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 And I know that's crazy, but anybody that's been raised by a Marine or in the military gets that. And so my oorah cry is something I say to myself when I need to remind myself of who I forgot to be and who I am. And my dad used to say, even when he was young, he would, he he was even doing affirmations and he didn't know it. (laughs) But when I did this work, I understood what he was doing when he was teaching me when I was young was he would tell us like, make a statement about who you are. When I was young, make a statement about who you want to be in this moment when you're afraid, make a statement about how you want to show up and have it be powerful. And he would tell us to say that in the mirror to ourselves before we would do something that we were afraid of. So now looking back at that, I would, I would just come up with random things that would empower me or I thought I was supposed to say, but now I, they're like my ura cry. And it's my morning routine. When I go into the bathroom, I say my affirmation out loud, which is my ura cry. it are, it's the things that I know are true for me that keep me grounded to my, my values. So, and then with that, I have, I create what's called a value system schedule, which we talked a little bit about off camera, but, um, the value system schedule is something that I live by. And I know that if I, if instead of to-do list, it's like my, my to-be list. So I don't go off this like checklist of what I need to do during the day. I go off this list of who I need to be or who I get to be during the day so that I don't get into this should like I always tell my clients, don't shit on yourself. It's like, then I stay in my being and said, instead of I should be doing this or I should get this done. Right. I, I don't live like that anymore. I used to, but now I live into, okay, what are my values and how can I create that in every area of my life? And then I use that schedule to anchor to during the day. It's like, okay, did I live into this value? Did I live into this value? Yes, I did. And that's where alignment that's where you get out of the rat race and out of the like overwhelming stress of life. And that's where women can really find their voice and their freedom is when they're living into their being, not their doing.
0: I love it. And how do you compartmentalize this value system, this quadrant? Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, I really feel like this works for me. Some people can't look at it like this, but I have a little bit more of a logical brain. So this might relate to some of your audience who's super driven in yeah. that way. Yeah. So I put it into four quadrants and I'm going to actually give your audience a copy of this if they they want it. So what I do is I, I make a, I make a big cross so that it looks like a bullseye. I circle the middle. So if you can imagine what a bullseye looks like, right. And then, and on the top sections, one is relationships. One is health, right. One is career or purpose, right. And then the other is this thing that we forget all the time and it's called leisure. (laughs) a lot of the women out there are like, what's that right now listening? Probably. Right. (laughs) And it's this thing we turn off, we turn it off and we think that like, we have to check the boxes of, okay, it worked out. It did. I drank my smoothie. I, you know, I called my mom. I, you know, I, I worked, I did eight hours of, you know, work today. And then we forget what really lights us up. Yeah. Like the things that actually make us who we are and and so those four pieces combined create this whole beautiful and I'm not going to say balance but I will say harmonious aligned life when we can find what really matters in each of those quadrants and identify the values in each of those quadrants and then we find where our outlier is So once you identify what really matters to you in health, and I I realized that, that for health, for me, you know, people have different ideas. But for me, health is freedom. That's my value with it, right? Because I want to be able to go to travel with my daughter and do her ski stuff and be able to go up there and see her do it. I want to be able to hike Machu Picchu on my bucket list. Like, that's freedom. Nothing restricts my body. Like, my health gives me freedom, right? And so I started to identify all these different values in each quadrant. And then what we want to do, and this goes into a step by step process, but this is the first step is find the area of your life that you're not aligned with, that you're not living into. There might be more than one, but if we find the one that's the furthest off our mark, where if we're not even hitting it at all. Like it's way out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have people say, okay, if this is the area of my life that's keeping me out of alignment, that's making me feel like I'm overwhelmed, like it's constantly out there and I can't get it. Right. That's what I I, I try to teach women to do first. That's their way of being first. They bring that value back into alignment first thing in the morning, right. Before we do anything else. It's like we're living into that outlier first. We can bring back that harmony. And I find that when that, when women do that and they choose that path instead of the to do's and the checklist, we get really aligned and we feel free. And for me, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that when we can pinpoint it and we take the time to discover and find out what those are and give ourselves space to identify them, everything gets really clear, really fast. hmm mm-hmm.
0: I really like how you broke that down. And I love how you're relating each quadrant to how you want to feel versus what I want to do in each quadrant. It's not necessarily like a goal list, what I'm hearing you say, but health equals freedom. Relationships equal whatever, intimacy. Uh, Purpose is, you know, heart opening experience. I, I don't Whatever. I don't know. Is that how you do it? You would like write down how you want to feel in each bucket. And if let's just say leisure is far off for me than I would schedule that first, whether that's going on a long walk or watching a comedy or whatever, just having a moment to bring more joy and aliveness in my life. So I'm living from that place.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's funny because I think women for sure, they, they, they feel like they have to do the, the career or the quadrants that, you know, get the most accolades or affirm, external affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then when they really dive deep and they give themselves time to pull that out, they realize the most important thing to them is actually opposite. It's usually like relationship and leisure because that feels most nurturing. Mm-hmm. And when you can nurture that part of yourself first, the other quadrants, they kind of just align naturally and you get super clear on your goal and your vision for life. That's why my challenge is called um, values to vision Mm. because I do it opposite. People set these goals themselves all the time and they're generally because everybody else sets the same goal or it's external pressure to have the goal of like i need to be you know super fit and run marathons because that's what my friends do or i need to you know um make a hundred thousand dollars in my business and you know do all these different things because that's what people say i should do but what's really interesting is when we dial back and we step into what really feels best for us Intrinsically and who we were and how, how we were just born and what we were born with those and those gifts. Usually the outliers are the relationship quadrant, the outliers are the leisure quadrant. But when we can bring them back into harmony, our vision gets super clear. Like it's like an aha moment. And that's what happened to me. And I was, I literally had that aha moment where it was like, fitness doesn't fitness is not my identity. It's a part of who I am, but I have a million different mechanisms available for me to create the vision that's in alignment with my values. It's not just fitness. And it opened up all these possibilities for me to really live authentically. And I got super clear. And that's what happens to women when they go through this process with me. It's like, oh, that's what makes me happy. That's what makes me fulfilled and lights me up. Mm -hmm. When I thought it was this this whole time. And and the process can be scary, but if you give yourself grace and time to go through it, it becomes less scary and you can really start to step into it slowly. Mm -hmm. So I've broken it down through my work. There's four main things that create self-sabotaging behavior. And this can be in finances, in success, in food. It doesn't matter. Okay. So the first one, the first one is low self-concept. Now I had all four of these when I dug in. But some women can just have one and that's the driver, okay? The second one is fear of change. Our reptilian brain is not like that and some of us can't get through that. The fourth, the, the third one is, this is a big one for women. Like this is the one that is crazy. It's self-protection. Mm. The last one is shame and self-deprecation. So for me, I'll just really quick before I before I go, I'll run this down for you because I think this will be a great episode. The first one for me was this slow self-concept because my dad, my dad and mom, my mom was a model. So my dad and mom were really, like really heavy on the way you looked, like, really heavy. Right. So that kind of fed into it. And it was always like, oh, honey, you don't need to do that. You're pretty. Oh, honey, you don't need to do that. You're pretty. Right. Yeah, Let your brother it. do that. Okay. So that this low self-concept was like, I'm nothing but the way that I look. Right. The number two thing is the fear of change. Like our reptilian brain doesn't want us to ever change, right? Because change is unknown and unknown could lead us to the lion that's going to eat us. So stepping over that boundary and and allowing yourself to go into a place you've never been before is super scary. And our reptilian brain holds us back from doing that. So if you're like, oh, I want to take the next step in my business. I've never had a million dollars. I don't know what a million dollars feels like. I'm going to avoid that because that could be dangerous. So there's that. So our reptilian brain goes to reward or it's fear-based. So we have to remember that. The third is the shame. And, well, it's it's actually the third is self-protection. So a lot of women that um, are overweight, they've been harmed physically in their life. Sexual trauma, um, any kind of assault. Right. And so what we do is we protect ourselves. I tell this story in my programs, it's really vulnerable for me to share, but I tell my story. We protect ourselves to make us look more unattractive with food, we think, to protect our bodies from being hurt. There's other ways we protect ourselves too, by money, hoarding money, hoarding things, shopping, hoarding things around us to protect us. Like there's all different ways we protect ourselves with behaviors. The fourth is the self-deprecation. So it was like, I'm disgusted with myself. There's some part of you that felt like what happened to you was your your fault. So you want to punish yourself out of it or, you know, hurt yourself for maybe the part you had in it. Maybe I was too cute. Maybe I wore that skirt too short. Maybe I said something the wrong way and it was my fault. And now you're punishing yourself and hurting yourself for the shame you feel for what happened to you in your life. Mm. So those are the four root causes I've found that I've pulled out that cause these behaviors to are so self-destructive for women. I was all four of them. So I had to work through all four. Some women just have one. But a lot of us that have been traumatized or attacked or victimized have all four.
0: This is such good stuff. And so you're working with women to shift this into maybe four pillars of self-confidence, which goes back to that intrinsic value wheel, correct? Yes, but that's that's when
1: you start. Yeah. You no. have to start there. I love it. And then once you start there, Laura, I I ascend them up through that so yeah. they can break, they can figure it out, break it down and then understand how to stop the behavior.
0: Yeah. So, so, so powerful and so beautiful. And I feel like so many women on the line can relate. I love it. Tell us a little bit more about your challenge. I know you have another one coming up. This yeah, values division. It yeah. It's,
1: you know, this is the thing I create a space for women that's safe. That's the first thing we do. And it's a 21 day challenge. In the first couple of days, we just create community of safety where we all get to just be transparent and authentic mm-hmm. and show up vulnerable, right? I, I start it and I share and I encourage women to. And all of a sudden we have this container. Once we have safety and security, then we as women can create. But if we don't have that, you can't get real. Like, there's without safety and security for women, there's no uh, higher stuff. You can't go any further. Like, we're stuck, right? So we create that first. And then after we create that, it's it's um, a 21-day challenge where I coach live in the group. And then they have a membership portal where they do the, I call them ascendments, because the name of my company is She Ascends. So they have ascendments. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes per day to do the work. And at the end of the challenge, you will have your set of intrinsic values. You will know what they are. You will know what your outlier is. You will know how to bring it back into harmony. And you will have a system schedule that's based in your values. So that's the foundation of my programs is creating that first.
0: Yeah. cool. I love that. Um, Yeah, thanks. I love that. so what so what is your vision for the future? I know you're really aligned with your values and I know it's been such a challenging year for so many people. What's your vision? Is it for all of us to live in alignment, for us to live activated? What's your vision yeah. for the future?
1: Um I have a big I have a big mission and a big stand. I am here to take a stand for women and their authenticity. and I truly believe that it is it is my purpose and calling and it's on my heart to impact a million women to live into their authenticity, and to rid themselves of the external pressures so they can remember who they were meant to be. Beautiful. Clear.
0: Felt. Awesome. What does it mean to live an activated life to you? Ah, It means understanding the difference
1: between fulfillment and happiness. And I know that might sound interesting, but happiness is fleeting. And we can get glimpses of it here and there. I mean, happiness can come in a bowl of ice cream. Happiness can come and and come in, and then you feel like you can be attached to that, but but it goes away, and it leads us down this path of like seeking. But when we are truly um, activated, that means we're truly fulfilled, and fulfillment comes from fulfilling our life with our values that are intrinsic for us. And that to me is activated.
0: So beautiful, Jennifer. Is there anything else you want to share with this audience before we go that you haven't touched on yet? I know you Um, had so much wisdom.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. I I think the last thing I'll say one more time, and and I and I want to share this is that you can stop blowing up your life by blowing and start blowing up your beliefs. Like you can stop blowing up your life. And we as women. I tend I tend to think we blow up our lives by self-sabotaging all these things that we do. And I and I want women to know that you can stop doing that. You can start blowing up these unconscious beliefs by understanding your values. That's the first step because you can blow them up when you start to get aligned. And um I just I just really want women to know that there is hope. You know, if you're feeling like you're circling the drain, if you're feeling like you can't get out of the rat race and you're overwhelmed, This is the first step is getting clear on who you forgot to remember you are. Hmm.
0: I love that. Start understanding your values. We can all do that leaving here is really just take inventory on what's really, truly important to us. Thank you so much for your time. Where can we find you?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love Instagram. Um, So Jennifer Lettington is my handle. Also, you know, I really... I really have a great resources on my website. It's uh, the name of my website, is sheascendslife.com. And, and then if people want to join my challenge, we start November 2nd and um, it's going to be powerful.
0: I love it. We will link up all of this in the show notes. If you guys want access to this work uh, sheet she's going to give us with your quadrants, you guys can sign up for my email list. It's super simple, Laura Holloway, lauraholloway.com. And we will link all this up in the show notes, which come out every Tuesday. So make sure you do that. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Anything else you want to share in closing before we leave? I just want to thank you for your work and your
1: contribution. Um, I think it's so beautiful when like-minded women can come together and empower each other. So thank you for for doing you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And hopefully this contributes to your mission because it's a pretty amazing one. We will, you will impact 1 million women. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at laurayholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.